Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. UAW members by a 97% margin say they are ready to strike next month. Meanwhile, grad students at Duke University Vote Union meant today on the show the iron worker who's building union diversity and the president of the Transport Workers Union. Welcome to the Monday, August 28th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. Our first guest, we're going to go to St. Louis, Missouri, and join Aurora Beeler. She is a journeyman ironworker, member of Local 396, website ironworkers396.org. Aurora also serves as an officer for the union. She's been involved in many labor organizations like the St. Louis City Labor Legislative Club, Missouri Democratic Party Labor Caucus, and Missouri Women in Trades. She's going to talk about her journey becoming an iron worker. And she started out welding, but not as an iron worker, doing like sculptures, kind of specific art pieces. And then she decided to get into the Iron Workers Apprenticeship Program. And it was was not easy. She's going to talk about that. But I'll tell you, she's doing very, very well. As I mentioned, she's involved in the union. We're going to talk about the BUD program, which we reference on the show when we had uh, Sean McGarvey on. In fact, he's going to be on uh, later in the week. The BUD program, well, that's an acronym for Building Union Diversity. It started almost 10 years ago and has since built a very successful track record by connecting St. Louis metropolitan residents with the growing, and I mean growing, opportunities for living wage employment in construction. And Bud is also helping to address the growing need in the construction industry for a skilled and more inclusive workforce. Get into those under serve parts of the communities and teach them a trade and then after so many years you could be making six figures there's so much work out there right now and just to run down how successful this uh, program has been the graduation rate has been 92 percent of those that begin the bud program complete their training and graduate 82 percent of the grads are employed in registered apprenticeship programs, and ready for this? Over 26% of the graduates are women, almost 80% minorities. So it's working. It's working. And we have a perfect example with Aurora Beeler. John Samuelson will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the Transport Workers Union. I'll tell you, he's a fighter. He represents over 150,000 members across the airline railroad, transit, universities, utilities, service sectors. He was sworn in as the union's 10th international president going back to May of 2017. He's also the former president of TWU Local 100 in New York City, which, by the way, is the union's largest local. He's a native of Brooklyn, 
was hired by the New York City Transit Authority back in 1993 and was assigned to a track gang in Brooklyn where he and his fellow union members worked under very difficult and unsafe conditions. The managers back then, I mean, we're going back 30 years here, they ignored safety regulations. They disciplined workers who spoke up about the unsafe conditions and had no respect for the workers or their union. Well, John said, hey, this has got to come to an end. Well, he found his way as chair of the track safety committee and chair of the track division. And when that happened, things started to change for the better. Was elected president of Local 100 in December 2009. Overwhelmingly reelected in 2012-2015. And during his time as president, the TWU has been focused on new worker organizing. And they've grown the union by 15,000 members in over 20 successful organizing drives. Now, that's a hardcore union leader there. We're going to talk about what's going at the Metropolitan Transit Authority where the CEO, and John says this bluntly, the CEO is screwing 600 TWU members by failing to bargain fairly. The contract offered to the workers who are car mechanics and cleaners is a farce. They're trying to steal from the workers by shortening the agreement and they offered a clause that would allow members' pay and benefits to be reduced at any time. <laughs> Not going to happen on his watch. Not going to happen on his watch. That more with uh, John Samuelson as our uh, second guest here on America's Workforce. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain announced on Friday that the union strike authorization vote passed with near universal approval from the 150,000 union workers at Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis. Right now, we're talking 97% in favor of a strike. Now, let me be clear here. The vote does not guarantee a strike will be called only that the union has the right to call a strike if the big three refuse to reach a fair deal. Now, they are saying that they are doing everything possible. They, I'm talking about the big three, that they are working in the best interests of the union as well as the company. That's what they're saying right now. Let's get back to uh, President Fain. He said our union's membership is clearly fed up with living paycheck to paycheck while the corporate elite and billionaire class continue to make out like bandits. The big three have been breaking the bank while we have been breaking our backs. Fain was elected to office in the union's first ever direct election and has broken with tradition by refusing to shake hands with the big three CEOs prior to bargaining and refusing to bargain the UAW's core economic demands in secret, choosing instead to publicly announce them to the membership and to provide ongoing bargaining updates over social media. Big change here. Big change. The union's demands include the elimination of tiered wages and benefits, wage increases to offset inflation, and match the general salary increases of company executives over the last four years. The reestablishment 
of cost of living allowances and defined benefit pensions and retiree health care, the right to strike over plant closures, significant increases to current retiree benefits, and more paid time off to be with family. Our members' expectations are high. Why? Because the big three profits are very high. The big three made a combined $21 billion in profits in just the first six months of this year. That's on top of the quarter trillion dollars in North American profits that they made over the last decade. While big three executives and shareholders got rich, well, UAW members got left behind. Our message to the big three is real simple. Record profits mean record contracts. The strike authorization vote at General Motors, well, that passed by 96%. The following is a statement from UAW Vice President Mike Booth, director of the UAW General Motors Department. Mike said the highest authority is the membership, and this is definitely outlined within our UAW Constitution. The 46,000 UAW-represented members at General Motors clearly spoke with a unified voice when the strike authorization passed by 96%. Strike authorization vote at Ford. That passed by 98% for hourly-represented workers and 99% by salaried-represented workers. The following statement is from Chuck Browning. He is the director of the UAW Ford Department. Chuck said, I'm proud of the 59,000 Ford workers who have stood together to send a clear and united message to this company. Ford earned $76 billion in North American profits between 2013 and 2022, and their profits are once again surging in the first half of this year. One more here, and that's Stellantis. That vote passed by 95%. Rich Boyer is vice president of that division. He said the 44,000 UAW members at Stellantis have said with one voice that they too are demanding an end to tears, cost of living, and a big wage increase like the Stellantis executives have enjoyed. Strike deadline, by the way, is September 14th. Some more information coming in on the uh, Teamsters. They still have a one local that they have to finalize, but uh, 58% of union members cast a ballot. Now, that was 86% of members voting in favor of ratifying a five-year contract, but only 58% actually voted. And uh, one more here. Following a slew of uh, successful graduate student union campaigns, Students at Duke University voted, you ready for this, 1,000 to 131 to unionize after a failed unionization campaign among grad students going back to 2017. The Duke University Student Union won this election on a platform of stipend increases, improved benefits, and greater support for international students. So I'll tell you, probably the UAW is involved in that. They've been doing a lot of uh, organizing at uh, college campuses. All right, a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the Iron Workers, Local 396 in St. Louis, Missouri. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. 
From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Layuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Layuna at layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be 8WF Union Podcast, 8WF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to St. Louis, Missouri right now. Joining us on our live line is a newcomer to the show, Aurora Beeler. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Is that right? Beeler? Or is it yeah, Bible? you did. Yeah, you did. Good job. <laughs> good, good, good. Aurora is a journeyman iron worker and serves as an officer as the conductor of Local 396. We got to talk about that. Conductor of Local 396. That's usually a term for the railroad industry. We, we'll cover that later. But I like to get a little information because we know there's not too many female iron workers. I know the building trades across all trades are trying to get minority female participation, and they are making strides, no doubt about that. So I congratulate you for going into this profession. But talk to me a little bit about yourself. Are you from the area, or did you uh, move there? Give me a little background on yourself. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm originally from Joliet, Illinois, which is uh, south suburbs of Chicago. And now, and I've been down in St. Louis since uh, 2009, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so what took you to St. Louis? I originally, I decided to come down here because I wanted to do an art program that had sculpture. And so I went to SIUE. And I got a bachelor's in fine art and sculpture because I always knew that I liked welding and liked making stuff. And I didn't quite know what else to do. So that's what I did. <laughs> okay. So what about becoming an iron worker then? That sounds like, I mean, you, you mentioned welding there. That That's an easy transition there. Can you pick it up from there? 
Yeah, so uh, back home in Joliet, uh, when I was going to Joliet Junior College and getting my associates, I was also taking welding classes at night because I wanted to learn how to do sculpture. I wanted to learn how to how to weld stuff together. And um, a friend of uh, a friend's dad saw one of my welding coupons and was like, "Hey, you should join the Iron Workers." And I was like, uh, "What's that?" And like all I knew was that he his dad kind of like worked on bridges and then. Also, you know, whenever people smash up guardrail, they, like, go in and fix that. Uh, but other than that, I really had no idea what they did. I knew that they welded sometimes. But the main thing was is I knew that they lived in, a, you know, they lived in a nicer part of Joliet. Uh, all of their kids had, you know, braces. And uh, they both of his parents had, you know, decent, like, cars. So I was like, okay, well, if anything, you know, if anything goes goes haywire on the art plan then i guess i could just always sign up for the iron workers like and so that's what happened i i got my bachelor's of fine art in sculpture at siue and right after college i ended up working at isas doing um uh, archaeological work so i was pretty much uh, working in the hot sun digging uh, essentially you know like digging a grave every single day and that's when I realized hey maybe I am tough enough to do construction because I was a little hesitant and I really didn't know what to do but I was definitely broke and I didn't want to go to grad school or pay for it and I wanted to kind of get my life started so I called up the iron workers and I did their pre-apprenticeship and was accepted and they haven't been able to get rid of me since. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a member of Ironworkers 396 then? Is that right? Yes. Yep, I'm a proud member. And and how many uh, how many brothers and sisters in that uh, in that union? Ooh, that's a good question. Um I'd say maybe 1200 in total, I think. That's pretty good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, you I mean, don't have to be uh, that maybe specific. Maybe like eight hundred. Yeah. So it's it's a we're not the biggest local. We are a mixed local, so we do all of it. We do structural, uh, you know, re- rebar, uh, ornamental, um, all that stuff. So we are a, a, a multi multi faceted uh, local. So so there's a saying: when, when you know, you don't just... call the hall because we can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. So when when you started doing the. Uh, the journeyman program and obviously you had some welding skills all already that had to be a pretty easy transition for you right uh no it was like being dropped in papua new guinea and saying okay go ahead and you know survive and live in this totally different culture totally different world uh because i i literally had no idea I, i don't have any family in the trades uh and i'm not originally from the st louis area so it was really difficult and really quite lonely when I first got in. I didn't know who to ask for anything. I didn't know what to wear, where to even buy, like, work boots for, you know, size seven and a half for women's. You know, I mean, it was just, like, a lot of stuff. I ended up just trial and error and falling on my face over and over again. And it was actually pretty difficult. And though the welding that I had, I did have welding experience, it's not the same as welding in you know, in, for what we do in the iron workers, they're actually totally different. You know, there's uh, welding for sculpture on bronze is totally different than welding two, you know, double beveled one inch plates and, and trying to pass that welding test. So, 
So I stand corrected. This this was not an easy transition, despite the fact that you had welding experience, but it's a different kind of welding. I, I guess I get that. It was more artsy, and this is definitely, we're talking bridges. We're talking rebar. I mean, it's a whole different line of work. So where are you in the program right now, uh, Aurora? Uh, I've been a journeyman. Um, so I got in in uh, around, let's see here, I think it was 2013. 2012 so i've been in for about nine nine years uh our apprenticeship is four years and um i am currently now uh this is actually my second term as an officer uh the last term i was on the examining committee which was great and um both me and another gal uh katie we were actually the first women ever in our local history to uh to be uh elected as officers so that was pretty cool Good for you. And you have this role as conductor of Local 396. What what does that mean? Can you give us some details on that? That one's uh, my most favorite. Uh, I I get to set up for the union meetings and help out and help run them and make sure the mics are working for when people want to go to the mic, uh, make sure all the chairs are good. I help out uh, if the sergeant at arms, you know, needs help with anything with the door uh, and general, you know, just general making sure the, the meeting runs smoothly from, you know, the back end. Good. So you like being involved in the union in 396 then? It, it sounds like it anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a it's a really it's a really neat way to get more involved and also kind of learn about all of the inner workings of like, how does this work? Right. So it's not just uh, you know, because we have a lot of committees that we're a part of as well. So it's not just our job, but it's also helping out with apprentices and helping out to, you know, figure out, uh, you know, if there's like a, a volunteering for something or going to tradeswomen build nations and, and things like that. So it's I really I really enjoy helping out. Now, have you gone to tradeswomen build nations? Because they had a, they're, they're now back in session. They were doing it virtually during the pandemic. Did you go to the last one? Oh, yeah. I've been going to them uh, since they were still in California. <laughs> so Good. very long time. <laughs> I never miss them. So, so Aurora, your story, I mean, it was an interesting trek from uh, what you were doing, you know, doing welding sculptures and, uh, and now uh, in, the, in the ironworking trade. Uh, I'm just wondering, because of what you were able to accomplish and, and the difficulties, too, this was not an easy transition as you uh, as you as you pointed out, are other women saying, hey, Aurora, you did it. Maybe I can do it. Is any of that happening right now? Definitely. Um, I think not just me, but anytime, you know, anytime a tradeswoman is out, you know, from, you know, going grocery shopping to getting gas, they're making an impression on somebody. And a lot of times people just don't think that they can do it because they don't know or they haven't seen someone do it that's like them. And that's the reason why uh, it's incredibly important that, you know, representation is there because it may not be, you know, I might be working with someone and they were hesitant about their, about their daughter getting in. And, you know, maybe after working with a few women in the trades, they're like, okay, yeah, no, if they can do it, probably my kid can do it. Or maybe that's their fiance or maybe their sister, um, you know, or, or even their mom. Who knows, right? But mm-hmm. if you've never seen anyone like you or your size doing this, then how would you know that you could do it? 
And for me, I really honestly didn't have much of an example. I just kind of rolled with it because I really needed to make decent money and have health insurance. And so I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And I happened to luck out that I, my personality, my work ethic really worked out with the iron workers. But uh, that's the reason why, like, a lot of the pre-apprenticeship programs going on across the country are so vital because how would you know you would be a good iron worker if you didn't even know that it existed? And, you know, the same thing goes, like, if I would have known that the plasters actually do a lot of mold making, I probably would have, you know, I would have fit right in because that's what I was doing. In order to make a bronze sculpture, you have to make a lot of, you know, plaster mold. Uh, (laughs) But I had no idea. I had no idea about all of the different options in the union building trades and all of the, like, amazing different opportunities. And, and so that's the reason why I'm really passionate about making sure that people know that this is an option and, um, it's tough work. You have to be, you know, you have to be a certain type of person to do construction and it's not the stereotype that you might think it's the people that like playing, you know, softball or they like, you know, they like to be moving all the time and they don't like to sit down and maybe they do like doing art classes or working outside or, doing a lot of lawn care like they don't mind sweating uh they like working out and so that's the kind of person that you know would fit in great in the trades and it's just figuring out where your skill set and where your interests are to really nail down you know the one that you would really succeed at well aurora it sounds like you really like what you're doing and that's so important you want to be happy to go to your job and obviously the wages and the benefits well those are key as well Aurora Beeler joining us on our live line today. She is a journeyman iron worker at Ironworkers Local 396 out of St. Louis, Missouri. Website ironworkers396.org. More to come from Aurora right after this. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Iron workers, the sky's the limit. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrans with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. 
And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. And if you like a show, I keep saying this, share that show because we want more downloads. Our sponsors like to know how we're doing, and I can report we're doing pretty darn good. About six, seven months ago, we were in the top 15% of all podcasts. Now we're in the top five, so we are growing the show. Thank you for listening to America's Workforce. Let's go back to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and rejoin Aurora Beeler, who's with Ironworkers Local 396. She's an officer in the union, and uh, she had a tough transition. She was into uh, sculpture welding in college. Then she decided, well, maybe I should check out the Ironworkers. Obviously, the wages and benefits are better, and uh, no doubt about that. She is also part of the BUD program. We talked about this with Sean McGarvey, president of the North American Building Trades, and BUD is an acronym for Building Union Diversity. And Sean has been on a mission to get more females and minorities in the trades. And I know St. Louis has done unbelievable work in that arena. Now, Aurora, you're involved in that. I'd like to know uh, your role in the BUD program. Go ahead. My job is to basically help people who either didn't know about the building trade or were curious about it but just didn't know how to start. And I use a lot of my experiences of entering into the ironworkers as a means to guide them through the things that I wish that I didn't have to learn the hard way or things that I wish I would have known when I first got in. And I think that is, that is a, a good part of why um, having someone that has lived through this teach uh, the pre-apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. So it's very hands-on. I do... Uh... I do know a lot about the program, I, and it's good to hear somebody that's actually in a role that you are are working in right now. And I know the accomplishments are astronomical as far as the graduation rate and, and attracting the population that you're you're targeting here. Again, we're talking women, minorities, and going into respective communities. And because, <laughs> real simple reason here, there's a lot of work out there. I can only... I could only imagine how much work is going on in your area. Maybe you could speak to that and show. I said, look, if you go through this program, here's what you're going to make, and this is the work that's lined out. I mean, are you making that connection with the with uh, the people in the Bud program, Aurora? Oh yeah, definitely. There's a lot of there's a lot of federal money, state money, and local money in uh, that uh, with projects going on in and around the St. Louis area. Definitely. And uh, the other key aspect of that as well is that there's a lot of people that are retiring, you know, with the median age of someone in construction being 40 something, we, we need more people in this industry because it's not something that you can just read a book and learn how to do. But a lot of things are just passed on, you know, through just hands on activity and learning it. So we need to yeah. get more people in and, and in the field learning how to do things from the people that have had 40 years of, of, of experience or have been in, you know, for 10 years and they know, they know how to handle this one specific situation. So that's right. another reason why it's incredibly important to do these pre-apprenticeship programs. Oh, experience is so valuable. And it's good to hang with somebody that has the 40 plus years experience because you can absorb all that and then uh, go your own way and make your own route when it comes to, uh, the trade like the iron workers uh you mentioned about uh, recruiting and you're doing a good job of recruiting 
The other part of that is keeping them, retaining them. And I know, especially being a female, you know, females get pregnant. They have work schedules. They got child care. Now, the iron workers got to salute them because of the 12 weeks of paid maternity leave. That's astronomical in itself. I know the other trades are looking at that as we speak. But I'd like to hear uh, what's going on in the St. Louis area. The people that are that you're bringing in, the females that you're bringing in in 396 are you are you holding on to them are you are you able to work with them and and satisfy the needs to make sure that they get what they want so they can continue as an iron worker is that happening yeah i think so and also with i just wanted to correct you it's more than 12 weeks for the iron workers international maternity leave um it's uh i believe it's like a total of seven months Right. Or, or not seven months, but it's it's a definitely a, 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 the bulk of the time is is while you are pregnant. And then it's 12 weeks after you uh, you have your child. Um, oh, OK. So it's, OK. Yeah. It's, um, but uh, when it comes to when it comes to women in St. Louis, I think that there's a lot of different options. And that's another reason why uh, there's a lot of trades women. We also have a lot of people to look up to. So we have um, Missouri Women in Trades. We also have a coalition of labor union women. Both of those, uh, uh, both of those groups are are active. But we also have a lot of really, you know, strong tradeswomen that have gone above and beyond. So we have uh, uh, Gina Walsh, who was a state rep, a state senator, and then now works for uh, the in- international for the insulators. Uh, we also, uh, you know, in Missouri, I feel like we just have a lot of really strong tradeswomen. Uh, Elise Martini, uh, she's on the Kansas City side, but there's examples of where you can go. There's examples of women who are running work. There's examples of women who have become superintendents, who have become, you know, uh, uh, safety professionals. And I think that's another reason why St. Louis does a really good job is because it's hard for you to imagine yourself uh, in different positions unless you've, you've seen someone like yourself in those positions. And to say it's not possible is not and it, not a good answer because you can point in any direction and find a tradeswoman doing something uh, at a higher level. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Gina Walsh. We've had her on the show a number of times. She's a dynamo. She's a dynamo. She's definitely one person you want to stay close to because she gets it. She really does. Uh, I want to switch gears here a little bit, if you don't mind. I, I saw in your bio that you've been involved in many labor organizations like the St. Louis City Labor Legislative Club, the Missouri Democratic Party Labor Caucus, Missouri Women in Trades, a uh, lot of organizations. It sounds like you're, uh, you want to get involved even more. And uh, I, I think that's a big part of what unions do, because if you get involved in the legislative process, typically good things happen, especially if you're coming from the union perspective. Um, could you could you speak to that as far as what you have accomplished so far? I mean, you sound pretty young and you probably have a lot on your agenda. Where do you see yourself going with this? What do you want to do down the road, especially when it comes to a political action? I don't know what I want to do just yet. I do know that I want to help. That's my main thing. I want to help. I want to make things better. Uh, than how I experienced them. And so with the St. Louis, uh, with the Labor Club, I uh, 
that is honestly where I got my start in learning how to do a lot of like organizing things and talking to people of different trades. And that's, that's where a lot of the organizational skills that I've, I use, you know, um, day to day for, you know, helping organize, um, you know, to go to trades, women build nations or, you know, for a variety of other like fundraisers and things like that. Um, but it's also given, you know, it's, it's important to me to know all of the different facets of how this works because one, I'm curious. And then two, I'm always looking for a way to squeak in for me to advocate for, for people in the trades. So, uh, you know, if you unfortunately make eye contact with me at a Christmas party, I am going to probably corner you and ask you, you know, questions on, you know, what you're doing or how we can do something to get more women and in, in traditionally underrepresented people into the trades. So that's that's why I enjoy doing that is because um, I really I like working with people who like to also change things and, and get things done. Well, you sound like a fun person. You got a lot of energy. I appreciate you coming here on the show on America's Workforce. We have to point out, too, one thing I didn't mention at the top of the show, that Aurora likes playing pinball. Gardening is also something she likes to do in her spare time. And then there's vermiculture, which is, <laughs> the, what is it, the study of worms or what? Explain that to me. It's uh, it's it's raising worms. Yeah, raising worms. Uh, it's a... Uh, I, I really like worms. I really like composting. And, uh, you know, if you keep going down the rabbit hole, all of a sudden you're now raising worms in your basement and uh, encouraging other people to compost with worms as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a fun one. Uh, that's the one that I use a lot of times in the bud program. Uh, sometimes, you know, just breaking the ice with someone that you wouldn't typically talk about. And so I tell them, okay, if I first thing you ever learned about me is that I raise worms in my basement, is that a fun conversation? Or are you going to freak out your, your, your partner or your journeyman? <laughs> so, you know, start with other things until you actually start like, you know, telling them more about yourself. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, um, uh, Yep, that's one of my things. Uh, pinball is also my major thing. I'm in two different pinball leagues, and I play in competitions all over Missouri. So, That's awesome. Well, first time in my career that I met, at least on the phone, a woman that likes to raise worms. So that's interesting. And I, I want to meet you sometime. I don't know when that'll be. But anyway, I really enjoyed talking to you. I loved your personality. And I love what the Ironworkers do. I mean, we record this show Monday through Friday at Ironworkers Local 17 in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. So you take care at, at 396. Ironworkers396.org is a website. You uh, you stay safe. Stay in touch with us, okay, Aurora? And we'll do. And maybe I'll see you at Trades Women Build Nations this year. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with John Samuelson, international president of the Transport Workers Union. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. 
America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call that company. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to New York City right now. Welcome back to the show. Long time been since we've had him on. John Samuelson is international president of the Transport Workers Union. TWU.org is their website. TWU.org. He's been uh, head of the International Union since uh, 2017. Goes back 30 years when he was hired by the New York City Transit Authority. That was 1993 and was assigned to a track gang in Brooklyn where he and his fellow union members worked under some really, really difficult conditions. John Samuelson, I know you want to talk about uh, the CEO at the Metropolitan uh, Transportation Authority, but, you know, I just want to uh, re-familiarize you with our listeners here on the show. We've really grown dramatically since we last had you on the show. And uh, maybe you could take me back to that time and set the stage because uh, I tell you, you're a fighter. You're you're New York, <laughs> tried and true, no doubt about that. What was going on back then at uh, at the Transit Authority in in nine? Maybe you could be specific on on some of those unsafe conditions. Go ahead. Well, thirty years ago, the New York City subway tracks were a far less safe place than they are today, and uh, they're safer today because of one reason: the act, the activism of the Transport Workers Union Local One Hundred in New York City. Uh, where, you know, where I learned this trade. So uh, work, order, orders to work unsafe every single day, every single night in the subway, work around a live third rail without protection, work on the oncoming train traffic without proper flagging protection, work in the, in the extreme heat, working without water on the tracks like it was the 1880s or something. So it was, uh, it was, it was uh, a situation was ripe for a fight back. And in fact, there were many of us uh, fighting back, and uh, and that's what we did. And uh, and I got elected chops to it, and then just continued continued to fight and continued to move up. Was elected local president uh, in in New York, local 100, and then moved on to the international presidency in 2017. So it's been it's been quite a fight, as you say, over the years. <laughs> Yeah, and the fight continues. I want to talk about the the CEO over there for the Metropolitan Transportation Authority. But, 
you know, back in 93, some workers, maybe you too, I don't know, were disciplined for speaking out about the unsafe conditions. What did they do? Did And was anybody fired because they, they spoke out back then? Yeah, absolutely. Work, workers were fired. Workers had the cops called on them. The, the, uh, I, have, I had the cops called on me, actually. I, I, I was certainly disciplined for speaking out. Uh, I was disciplined for refusing to work around a live third rail in, a, in an unsafe way, which is, you know, which we have workers that were, workers died for, died over in the 1990s. And uh, yeah, so it was a very, it was a, a kind of a whip cracking uh, atmosphere. And, um, and I, and I, and I say a lot has changed. A lot has changed. It's certainly far from perfect. And there, there's still conflict in the subway tracks every single night. And the one, the one, and I say, and I say it is a gift. The one mentality that New York city transit workers hopefully never lose is that when we come to work, it's absolutely us against them. It's us against the bosses on these tracks every night. And, uh, and it served us well. So, uh, back then, yeah, workers were fired for sure. Okay, fast forward to today. There's a CEO that you're uh, you're pretty much at odds with. Is it Jano Lieber? Is that the name of the CEO? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's his name. Uh, it's not only him that we're at odds with. We're at odds with him and and the the entirety of the the uh, Metropolitan Transportation Authority and the the state of New York, apparently. So, what's going on? Can you be specific? Yeah, we have a we have a situation where we have uh, two local unions at Metro North of uh, train mechanics, essentially, and car cleaners. The six hundred of them in total. They <clears throat> they've been without a contract for four years. The because of the nature of the MTA in New York, as as is the case in many places, the contracts are generally settled generally by economic patterns that are established and an economic pattern was established by TW local 100, which I played a hand in, in 2019. And along the way, the MTA successfully degraded that pattern on the railroads. And what happened is I run the international, so I'm not in the weeds on the New York situation. But, but what happened is it came full full circle back around to our local unions at Metro North. I was brought back into the situation um, with with knowledge that the initial pattern was degraded by the MTA and intervened into the situation now several months ago. And so we have a situation where the MTA chair, who you just mentioned, Jan Oliva, and MTA executives, including the president of Metro North Railroad, Catherine Rinaldi, they're actually engaging in a form of, of wholesale fraud against their own workforce. They've, they've succeeded in, in establishing um, a pattern which, in effect, has robbed wages from, at this point, thousands of railroad workers. And when I say that, people look at me in a bit of astonishment as if, as if this is some sort of conspiracy but it's not. It's actually highly provable, and 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 we are proving it every day in the media in New York, and we will go on and continue to prove it until we win this fight. So what's 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 happened here specifically is that the TW on the property at Metro North 
is refusing to accept a contract that has less economic value than the established economic pattern uh, from 2019. We, we refuse to deviate from it. And, uh, and also, in addition to that, there's language that they're seeking from us that allows, to, um, that allows them to amend the contract the moment the contract is signed. So it, it seems pretty ludicrous, but the language actually says that the moment this contract is signed, it becomes amendable and that the economic terms of the contract can be altered unilaterally by the employer. And we will not sign that. We refuse to sign that, and we will strike and shut down a railroad before we sign that language. <laughs> that, that's not a contract, then. <laughs> not at all. Nope. No. Uh, I can't believe this has been going on since uh, 2019. Uh, and, and there's a pandemic in the middle of all this, and obviously there's a lot of your members, especially in uh, 100, local 100, passed away because of the crazy conditions going on of fighting with the masks and everything. What was the count on that, by the way? How many how many members did uh, 100 lose during that time, John? About about 140. Wow. About 140. So the shame of all of this is that the the reason that this, this fraud was accomplished was because of the pandemic. The employer utilized the pandemic to obfuscate everything that was happening here. And, uh, and, and the, the pandemic allowed the employer to uh, this kind of this cover, this cover of darkness actually to um, obtain a contract which was of less economic value on the rail, on the commuter rails than uh, than New York City Transit workers achieved, and it should have never happened, and it wouldn't have happened in any other time except on the, the dark times of the pandemic. So think about that for a second. We have a the despicableness of an employer that instead of uh, rewarding the heroic work of of its of its railroad and transit workers during this pandemic who were perishing, they used this moment in time to actually rip them off and engage yeah. in fraud and degrade their paychecks. And it's disgusting and it's appalling. And that's why we're going to strike. What's your timetable on this? Ship. The timetable is that we are in NMB mediation and we, we do intend to comply with the Railway Labor Act. We do intend to um, abide by the NMB mediation mm-hmm. process. But with that said, we are running an absolutely aggressive campaign parallel to the NMB process. We're running an, a, a very aggressive political campaign that, uh, that we're not going to stop. And it's just going to double down and double down and double down until we get the contract that we need or until we get released. We're speaking with John Samuelson, international president of the Transport Workers Union, TWU.org. John, I want to switch gears here a little bit. Um, I understand that you recently joined the striking SAG after workers on a picket line in New York. Um, maybe you could talk about that time and also the uh, the campaign against artificial intelligence, which is going to affect just about everybody when you think about it. But uh, yeah, SAG after. I'm a member of that union, by the way. Now I'm a different contract because I do. Uh, I'm actually going to be 50 years next year member of SAG after. But um, I'd just like to get your take on, on what's going on. And this is like the summer of strikes when you take a look at it. Uh, and the UAW was just talking about them at the beginning of the show. They may go on strike in a couple of weeks here. But uh, can you talk to me about the, the solidarity involved in New York? Man, New York City, strong union town. I know that. Go ahead. 
Well, first of all, the, <clears throat> with SAG-AFTRA, we were on the picket lines, and our members have been on the picket lines in New York and in other cities. Um, but there are parallels in what would, norm, what would seem at first glance uh, to be two distinct in- industries, transportation and, um, and Hollywood, essentially, and have very little in common. It's, it's just not true. Because automation, artificial intelligence, and all the related um, entities, all the related threats, they're, they're coming for all of us. And that's the truth. And whoever's not in a union, that a fight back union, is, is vulnerable to this. And over the next 10 or 15 years, there's going to be there's going to be kind of a winnowing occurring and it's occurring already they're coming in on the transport side they're coming after bus operators they're coming after whatever they can do in in terms of on the service delivery side and the maintenance side in every transportation sector that we have that can be replaced by robots or any form of artificial intelligence that they can or related technologies and this and we see the same exact thing in uh in Hollywood, it's the same exact thing going on. When mm-hmm. uh, when an actor is hired, they want to um, they want to do a full body scan of the actor, for instance, which was explained to me on the picket line. They want to do a full body scan of the actor, and they want to own that that data. They want to own the actor. It's like a it's like a digital slavery situation. Right. They want to own the rights to the actor forever and pay very very little for it. And they want to they even want to utilize those rights after the. In, in the event that the actor passes away without any kind of uh, compensation after the actor passes away as if, as if they're owning it, as, as if the actor is chattel. So the, there, there, are, there is connectivity. Of course, the same thing, same exact thing exists in the, in the UAW and across the board where automation is, the, is just the, and artificial intelligence, and they're both they're related, they're tied at the hip. It, it, it's just the, it's the, it's, just, it's the real existential threat people bandy about the term existential threat this is the existential threat it's now here to all of us so these types of solidarity action have never been more appropriate the the kind of the end game is upon us if we don't if we don't collectively beat this back amen brother we're all in this together john samuelson Transport Workers Union International President website TWU.org Transport Workers Union on Facebook and you can follow him on Twitter at Transport Worker. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce coming up tomorrow. We're going to check in with the News Guild and the Labor Lab. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.